0: Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever.
1: We need to be prepared for the future.
0: I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun.
1: Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared.
0: Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse.
2: What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
0: And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready.
2: Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure.
0: Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time.
1: Helping your community.
0: Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared. Pacific prepared.
3: Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared. I'm Fred Hooper. This program talks about everything to do with disaster preparedness, personal experiences, government programs, and impacts of climate change. We've got a great team of reporters who are on the ground chatting to you, and the stories we bring you could help you, your family, and your community prepare for natural disasters. The weather and how it affects you is already part of your life, so let's keep talking about being prepared. On today's show, taking climate change to the International Court of Justice we continue the conversation with Vanuatu's special envoy to the ICJ and find out what happens next. Also, tsunami sirens were ringing out across Tonga on Friday night into early Saturday morning. A large earthquake off the coast triggered the alerts. So I wonder if the community felt like they were prepared. And how are they feeling when something like this happens? We'll find out. And after almost two years living in tents, a Fijian community can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel as new homes are completed. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared.
2: People's lives have been affected by disaster.
3: Know
4: what to do.
2: Know what to do.
4: Know what to do.
2: Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure.
4: See, all
2: the signs are coming. So we have to prepare.
0: Be prepared.
3: Pacific Prepared. Late last Friday night, an earthquake just over seven on the Richter scale hit off the coast of Tonga. I wonder how the communities and the residents reacted to this latest earthquake. Anasiu Falakono is a reporter with Tonga Broadcasting Commission and Pacific Prepared reporter. Hello, Anasiu. Hello, Fred. Uh, what was your experience of the earthquake from Friday night?
0: Uh, like everyone else, it was shock to all of us. And um, yes, especially it happened uh, at midnight. So the earthquake woke all of us up, majority of the population.
3: Were you, and so, I mean, silly question, but you, were you asleep at the time or?
0: I, I just left work. I was still awake by that time.
3: Yeah. And so what was the initial thought for you? Did you realize straight away what it was or?
0: I knew it was an earthquake, but um, after, I think, a uh, few minutes, then uh, I heard the siren. So the uh, Tonga Meteorological Office uh, at Fomoto activated the tsunami warning. And so um, the sirens were turned on. And uh, as I mentioned before, the new building and the drills that took place, I think it woke everyone, especially, I think, the whole of Tonga from the sound
3: of the sirens. Now, these the sirens that you're talking about, are they like the sort of air raid sirens that people might be familiar with, like the kind of the long whirring siren? Uh,
0: it's located at the most vulnerable areas. So, yes, I think it's it's like every the sirens, I think.
3: Yeah. And so what happens like when you hear those sirens? Like, do, What happens in the community? I mean, do people sort of... Do people panic or do they know that this is what's happening and that it's sort of, it's normal for them or what happens?
0: Um, What actually happened on Saturday morning when the sirens were turned on and uh, giving out warnings. And one officer from the Tonga Meteorological Services was speaking and um, urging and uh, telling everyone to move to higher grounds. So... Uh, As I mentioned earlier on the Pacific Prepared episodes, there have been quite uh, various uh, national tsunami drills. So it was to familiarise the people of what actually the sound of a siren, for a tsunami warning, and what to do. So once uh, on Saturday morning, uh, midnight, No, sorry, it was on uh, Saturday morning when the sirens were activated, uh, everyone woke up and they they knew what to do. The feedback that we got from the National Emergency Management Office is that uh, people were uh, responding well as they knew what to do. They had to move to higher grounds. They left their homes, especially those living in the coastal areas, when the officer from the uh, Tonga Meteorological Services urged everyone to move to higher grounds. So in that case, I think um, everyone did their part. And as a result, uh, we got positive feedback from the public that um, they got it in a timely manner. And once they were the, – the staff from the Met Office repeatedly urged the public to move to higher grounds. I think um, the public were actually complying with it.
3: And these messages from the Met Service, were they coming over some sort of loudspeaker throughout the whole – all the towns yes. and the communities? Is that right?
0: Yes, because I think there are speakers together with the sirens. And um, those messages were in Tongan and in English and everyone – uh, especially, it was in, it happened uh, midnight, so everyone was rushing to higher grounds, especially to the um, to further inland, away from the coastal areas.
3: Do you feel like people are more alert to disasters since the volcanic eruption in January 2022?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, on uh, Saturday morning. It was when the sirens were turned on. Everyone just moved quickly to higher grounds. And I think after the the earthquake, people started to evacuate already before the sirens were turned on and were were activated. People just made their way to higher grounds. And even I think they knew it's going to be a long queue. They had to take uh, necessary actions at that
3: moment. Would that not have been the case before the eruption in January?
0: Um, uh, from my experience, I think um, the the eruption in January people learned a lot from it, so I think that's why they responded well. I don't.
3: Um, I mean, I'm not saying that they would ignore the the warnings, but you know, maybe they're more alert to the warnings now after that eruption.
0: Yes, after the yes because it's it's similar, so yes.
3: As a resident of Tonga, do you feel like, you know, you and your family, you do know what to do when something like this happens? Have you had enough sort of time to think about what you should be doing, if once, especially once those sirens go off as well?
0: Yes, I think um, it has been repeatedly mentioned and uh, broadcast from the radio station, the significance of being prepared. So um, for a tsunami, I think... Uh, People learned a lot from the volcanic eruption earlier this year and uh, are making better choices.
3: And are the tremors still ongoing from this earthquake at the moment?
0: Um, uh, it was only on uh, Saturday, I think, in the evening. There was another one, it's just a tremor, and that was just it. That was just the tremor that has been reported from the Tonga Meteorological Services.
3: What's the latest information from the emergency services on the, on the earthquake and the tremors? Is, is there any, any further warnings or expecting any more tremors?
0: And we're being told to be prepared at all times and nothing major at the moment.
3: Seeu Falakono from Tonga Broadcasting Commission.
0: What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared.
3: After almost two years living in tents, some residents of one Fijian village can finally see some light at the end of the tunnel, the village of Dornier on Vanua Levu. In late 2020, Cyclone Yaza destroyed a lot of the village's homes, and since then, residents have been living in temporary accommodation, so almost two years now. This is the Minister for Rural and Maritime Development in Fiji. Mr Siruratu, speaking with the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation. Two
2: projects for relocation here in Bono including including Nambabatu as well. Uh, They are now in the process, assisted by the RFMF engineers, to construct uh, three houses. And uh, if they have sufficient material, uh, they will probably go up to six Uh, because of the few homes that are still uh, in tents in the village. And there is uh, another discussion ongoing with the Fiji Council of Social Services in which the aid donor uh, agency from uh, the German government uh, will provide some assistance. Uh, We are still finalizing the details because it's foreign uh, aid. Uh, there's a lot of uh, conditions to be met and uh, we are trying to meet all those uh, before uh, the finalisation and hopefully that will bring in an additional 14 uh, homes uh, added to what uh, has already started. So it's
3: good to see that uh, uh, the project uh, has started. The headman of Thonia Village also spoke to Fijian Broadcasting Corporation and this is what he had to say. We are so happy, so happy. The women from our village have been at the site since the construction of the home started. They've been cooking for the men, building the house. It's been one year and 11 months since the flood took our homes and seeing the construction start gives us hope. We had just been awaiting word from the government and now it's here. He also goes on to say that we've been told that they will initially build six homes. This is for the six families that are still living in tents in the old village site. After that, more homes will be gradually built. 40 homes are to be built here at the new relocation site. Thank you to Eleanor Toronaviu from the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation for that story. We need to be
1: prepared for the future.
0: Helping you stay safe.
3: We have built a seawall two
2: times, but it did no good. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
0: Plan this time before disaster strikes. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared.
2: Pacific Prepared.
0: Pacific Prepared.
3: We touched on this story recently on Pacific Prepared, the Vanuatu government's International Court of Justice initiative, and how they're trying to have inaction on climate change recognised as a human rights violation. The government recently announced that they would be delivering the finalised opinion draft. This is the Vanuatu's Climate Special Envoy, Bakoa Kaltonga.
4: I am Bakoa Kaltonga. I am currently the uh, caretaker of the, uh, caretaker Minister of uh, Agriculture, Livestock, uh, Forestry, Fisheries and Biosecurity of the Government of the Republic of Vanuatu and I'm also appointed as the Special Envoy for Climate Change.
3: You would spend a lot of time on the ground in Vanuatu as well. Can you just explain what climate change looks like in Vanuatu from what you've seen and experienced and the people that you've spoken to, the communities that you've visited in Vanuatu? What does it look like on the ground?
4: Well, you only need to look through the social media now and you will see the sort of flooding that goes on. Uh, you could see the, uh, the level of human lives it affects. You can see uh, the sort of uh, repatriation of people from flood uh, flooded areas, from, from houses to, to, to dry land. You could see bridges that were supposed to be provide the link between the food supply uh, from farmers who are in need of income who supply the Potwila market oh, and uh, the people that live and reside in Potwila for food and also students who are, uh, are being fed under certain programs we have uh, that, that that feed uh, students with the, the local healthier food. You would, would understand them running out of food if, if this prolongs for the next few weeks. So, in Vanuatu, we're actually experiencing, uh, in some coastal areas, uh, lack of water due to sea levels rise and, and uh, salination of, of uh, drinking water. And also, we're uh, seeing drought, heavy rainfalls in out of rainfall seasons, Uh, there's potentially a tipping point to the primary primary agricultural systems because of the change in weather patterns. The damage in the cyclone Category 5 Cyclones, that are quite regular and stronger and more frequent, has a permanent effect. The more carbon emissions there are, is the more carbon, uh, carbon dioxide that goes into the corals, and therefore causes uh, acidification of the coral reefs, and there's coral bleaching, which is quite widespread in the coasts in Vanuatu at the moment. So these are, uh, you know, some of the and loss and loss and and damage, and some are irreparable damages that that cannot be recovered uh, that that we are facing, and you will appreciate Vanuatu's constitution is truly generous and unique to its people and its own culture. And part of the culture, apart from recognizing the, 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 uh, the constitutional right of each person as a citizen, also acknowledges Christian principles uh, and uh, traditional principles. So the right to practice custom. And so a lot of the land that's being affected, a lot of the the plants, the trees, they're owned by people, by customary ownership, indigenous custom ownership. So you'd appreciate how the level of traditional know-how is being lost because the landmarks that say and give effect to certain stories that, talk about cultural systems are being lost in the weather. And our oceans are also some of the biggest problems. I can tell you now that we're losing revenue because of the tuna stock that used to come to Vanuatu and was quite a healthy tuna stock is no longer now there. It's migrated because of the changes in the weather patterns and and the ocean currents. And uh, the damages to the schools, we've never managed to recover from repairing all the schools that were damaged. So you could imagine the effect on the children of that particular uh, uh, generation who want to study uh, and have a fair chance at life and cannot do so because of uh, uh, the school damage in quite a number of areas in Vanuatu. So these are the things that we're experiencing that, uh, a very much reality. And, you know, the thing about it is it's not going to get easier. I mean, climate change is all over the world now. The effect on our, our countries, because being smaller nations, it's very difficult for us to sustain this sort of uh, damages. Uh, we're living a fragile life. We can't handle the uh, emissions increasing and they are—they're not. The future doesn't look any better, especially after the Ukrainian war. The uh, reliability of uh, the the greater industrial nations on fossil fuel, and uh, we're not any closer to reaching that one5 It We'll probably overshoot it, and you imagine we'll probably reach 1.2 degrees already, and you could see the sort of disasters that are happening around the world. Uh, it'd be quite a a very uncomfortable proposition for the Republic of Vanuatu to be in if we were to reach 1.5 degrees because of uh, all, all the sort of uh, uh, challenges we're facing with the, the current climate crisis. It's actually a human rights crisis. I mean, and we look, we 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 believe we shouldn't be measuring this in the number of degrees in temperature. We should, for countries small as us, we should measure this in the number of lives that are affected. And these are human lives. And these are lives that all the countries in the world are party to one form or another in international conventions, guiding the rights of the child, uh, the rights of countries to exist equally around this world. So it's a human rights issue. As much as being... uh, uh, the, the the range in temperature it it, it, it has, doesn't make it any easier for us from what we're seeing it's a bleak future
3: i can tell from you know the, the more we we chat about this that you're obviously very passionate about this clearly it's your your home that we're talking about as well but what is the overall emotion that you feel from all of this is it is it anger or is it fear i mean how do you feel about what's happening at the moment
4: well we are lucky that we have a, we are a people that 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 are stoic because we are a Christian country. Uh, we are trained to overcome challenges. Uh, there is a level of frustration. People do complain. And uh, being uh, uh, formerly a member of Parliament, uh, uh, these were subjects of uh, uh, campaign issues that were raised that. You know, especially amongst women who uh, saw uh, the sitting on the table, feeding the children, seeing the trauma they went through.
3: What is the desired outcome of this? Is it taking larger, more powerful countries to court? Is that the desired outcome? Or what do you actually ultimately want to happen?
4: The desired outcome is to reduce fossil fuels, reduce emissions, keep it under 1.5 degrees. Increase the ambition. Increase renewable uh, energy. Uh, one of Vanuatu's uh, ambitions was to be 100% uh, renewable energy efficient by 2030. Being uh, as ambitious as it may be, at, at least it is something that we can work on, and uh, you know we we should negotiate. Uh, ambitions beyond, uh, beyond the normal agreements that are uh, set out in the Paris Agreement. Uh, uh, perhaps uh, get more private sector participation with ind- indigenous people. Uh, c- come and use my trees uh, for your carbon crediting and provide some income for me to look after the trees for you. Then we preserve the environment. Saving one soul is, is better than
3: losing 10. Vanuatu's climate special envoy, Bakoa Kaltonga, will keep across all the details of the envoy to see how things unfold.
0: I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder. You're listening to Pacific Prepared.
3: Communities and villages across the Pacific rely heavily on their food crops. So when some or all of them are wiped out or affected by natural disasters, it becomes really difficult for those people. I think it's fair to say that Tonga has had a tough year when it comes to natural disasters. The volcanic eruption in early 2022 caused a tsunami, which devastated communities in Tonga and the surrounding islands. But then there was the ash fall, which also had a huge impact on food crops. So six months after the eruption, We take a closer look at the agriculture industry and how they've coped, and we'll find out what kind of plans they're making for the future. This is Dr. Valami Manu from the Ministry of Agriculture in Tonga. This is
1: a very enriching experience for all those that are working from the Ministry.
3: Pacific Prepared reporter Anasiu Falakono with this story. Because when
1: you arrive, people are disaster-stricken. They don't want to be... At uh, this step, they have focus either on the house that was damaged or their crops that was damaged to wake them up that's a different thing so usually, we wait for a week we wait for a week or two weeks uh, before we start uh, slowly approaching we We won't approach the whole village we'll approach some of the town officers or the chief, and we start slowly starting to them to get people into a meeting. It's a mixture of crops, and that mixture is the safety uh, for food security in in spite of any disaster. So we took the the traditional uh, knowledge in agriculture and put it forward. And the other thing is the people are resilient. Resilient means um, because they have experienced disaster in the past, their children, they have become uh, disaster is part of our life. And recovering is also part of our life. And that was the most uh, fortunate uh, uh, part of the ministry, the work for the Ministry of Agriculture, is because those characteristics in our tradition and the people of Tonga since time began.
0: So what is needed to be done now in order to help the people be more prepared as food security is key?
1: I think this is very much uh, important because when the disaster strikes, the Ministry of uh, Environment, Metec, always uh, advise people to have a uh, food supply stored for three days, eh? seventy-two hours supply. This is because the road are not accessible, uh, has not been prepared. Uh, the electricity is off, water is off, water supply is off. So usually, that's what they would recommend: is to store uh, food supply for the family for three days. So what we were thinking, if we also have uh, crops and, and poultry, chicken in the in the homes, it will become a part of that seventy-two-hour
3: uh, supply food supply.
0: Pacific prepared.
3: Anna Seeu Falakona from TBC Tonga with that story from earlier in 2022. <laughs>
1: Helping you stay safe.
2: Pacific Prepared.
0: To be prepared to save your life, your loved ones, and your home during a disaster, you need to act now. Here's what to do to be ready for an earthquake. Earthquakes sometimes give early clues they are about to strike. You may hear a roaring or rumbling sound. That gradually gets louder. You may feel a rolling sensation under your feet that starts out barely noticeable and within a second or two grows much more violent. Sometimes the reverse happens. You may feel a sudden uh, jarring jolt and within seconds feel like you're losing your balance, struggling to stand up or feel disoriented when you try to move. Your biggest danger during an earthquake is falling objects and heavy items collapsing. These can be natural or man-made. Think now about safe spots in your home. Do you have a sturdy table to take shelter under? Tell everyone if you are in bed, cover your head with any pillows or coverings. Identify a safe open area outside where nothing can fall on you. Discuss these safe spots with your family. Talk with those who live with you about what you will do if an earthquake strikes. Can everyone get to a safe meeting place away from danger? Does everyone know where it is? When an earthquake hits, it is often too late to make a plan. So prepare now. Include everyone. Make it fun and be prepared. This information has been compiled for multiple official government and non-government agencies across the Pacific and the world.
3: Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, FBC Fiji, Samoa National Radio 2AP, SIBC, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, and TBC Tonga. Have conversations about disasters. What would you do and how will you prepare? We're trying to help you make the next disaster easier for you and your family. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared.